Okay, so anyway, hi, dude. Hey, bro. <laughs> hi. Uh, hi. Hi, it's me. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Whew. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 uh, I met with, there's the, this guy that hangs out in my coffee shop um, that I talked with this morning, and he was talking about whether or not he, as a Jew, can buy uh, non-kosher food for his employees or to give to homeless people. Um, and that there's a, yeah, there's special writings about this. And it apparently, uh, some, um, some things there, there are non-kosher things you can own, but not eat. And there are non-kosher things that you can't even own. Like he can, um, he can own pork flesh, um, and he can give it to he's you know he's supposed to give it to his employees or to homeless people he can't eat it um it's not kosher it'll never be kosher um but not um oh uh you can't serve your employees or homeless people live animals mm. um and um and you can't uh uh, uh serve foods that um, involve uh, cooking a baby in its mother's milk. Um, in in the biblical sense, but it's okay in the Talmudic sense. That was a little fuzzier to me. So, but I think you can. It's okay to mix uh, chicken and cheese, but yeah. not mm. beef and cheese. Right. Um, Haven't heard that distinction. Yeah, well, that's it's a that I think the Talmud includes chicken and cheese, but the Bible doesn't include chicken and cheese. Um, hmm. It's got to be, I think, mammals, land mammals. Um, was By that, you mean the Pentateuch, the five great books? When you're saying Bible, for for Jewish. I don't think so. No, no, no. They include uh, they 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 include prophets. No, I, yeah, yeah, I mean the, the the information on that would be in the Pentateuch, would be in the five books. No, but I'm saying that the, I don't know. No, because they do. They, I'm not sure about that. But they include. Oh, I think that they still they still include all of the Old Testament. I, all yes. of the Old Testament is you know accepted, not just the five books. Which they I understand that which they wouldn't okay. which they wouldn't call it the Old Testament. Um, they, and but they, 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 do, they wouldn't they, call it the Old Testament. No, but they, but they, they do they, accept they, those books. Well, I know they accept the minor prophets, but those laws aren't in the in in the, in the books of the minor I prophets. I don't that, think those are. You know, the, if I had so to I'm guess, I'd say Pentecost, Leviticus, Leviticus, or one of the oh, 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 <laughs> or numbers, be. or one of those. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, uh huh. Right, yeah, one of the ones where you really focus a lot on uh, fuel stripping animals and uh, <laughs> what you know, yeah, 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 take yeah, yeah. this part, break this part off, burn you know, burn this part. This part you can eat. Squish, yeah. you know, smear this part on the altar. Um, mm. And um, it's interesting because I was, you know, I've been kind of like looking around at like who is having, mm. you know, uh, informed religious discussions that mm. Um, mm. that are nice to be a part of, right? Because I, I do learn through discussion and, um, yeah. and, and, but I also, I like, I like rigor. You know, like, so, I, you know, like there's this nice Unitarian church here and I'm not, I'm not knocking Unitarians. They were lovely, you know, everything was lovely, but, um, but I just, I wanted some more rigor. This could be too much rigor. I'm not sure exactly, you know, I'm trying to think of how it applies to me. Um, <laughs> the limitations around, um, yeah, right. The the kosher things that I can have versus give to other people. I kind of like that they seem to involve an element of of cruelty. That those were absolute prohibitions, like you know, it, eating of live animals or something like eating that. of live animals. And I mm. and but you know, the cruelty of cooking a baby in its mother's milk is such a it's like a metaphorical cruelty. And by baby, you mean the baby of an animal. We're not talking about human babies. Just <laughs> when you say baby, you're uh, like, I'm like, oh, I feel like that would be included. Yeah. But yeah, yeah but I don't I think do. human meat, I, I think, is never I just, kosher. Just I just I just I don't think you, you can baby. have a live human baby <laughs> in its mother's milk. I'm pretty sure that's not kosher. Um, 
And uh, though I've never heard it explicitly described, just as wanted for clarification. It's a mammal. Maybe it's clear. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I don't know. You know, that could be. It's possible that that's too granular for me. But but maybe it's not. Like there, it's it is a prohibition on mm-hmm. on cruelty. But at the same time, like I don't know. Like meat meat is just cruel. And I eat meat. And my understanding is you eat meat. We do it in limited amounts. Uh, but, um, but sure, sure, sure. It's cruel. And it's so, it's so funny. Like, I feel like I'm finally, I don't know, like I can finally take that position out loud now that I'm not a strict vegetarian. Um, Uh, yeah. yeah. As a vegetarian, it's very hard to say to people I'm a vegetarian because it's an ethical thing and have, and not have people feel judged by it. Um, but as not being a vegetarian, I feel like I can say it's cruel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, without people yeah, yeah. feeling judged by it in the same way. Yeah, like yeah. there's this freedom now to say, of course it's cruel. Of course it's cruel to kill things to eat their flesh. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not, it, it just seems so, so, so damned obvious. Um, and yes, I do it sometimes. And, uh, and I do try to limit the amount that I do it. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, God bless him, uh, said this thing a number of years ago uh, that um, people are so wrapped up in be vegetarian, don't be vegetarian. And if we would just all stop eating meat, then, you know, all, all of these things, you know, animal cruelty and all of the environmental impacts, you know, that, and he was like, look, just, you know, let's all take it down a notch. And like, if you just, if everyone in the world skipped one meat meal a week, it would have a massive impact. Yeah. You know, that, that would yeah. really, you know, so like what, you know, what about well, that? In you this, just skip one. Yeah. And this, this segues, I mean, we're talking about the granular and I certainly were getting mm-hmm. too granular and I've certainly with my mm-hmm. deep relations with uh, orthodox, neo-orthodox, Brooklyn folks here in Virginia who have this, you know, sort of retreat center slash synagogue yoga studio where I was a part of, uh, which is just funny to say synagogue slash yoga studio. Uh, But um, um, I was always trying, well, how do we get out of the granular and then make it sort of more broadly relevant? You know, how can we use that as a, as a springboard? Um, into something Uh, and what is relevant in what you just brought up for me is uh, i just lost my train (laughs) uh what is what is what 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 is relevant what is relevant (laughs) is is that the the avoiding the quality of righteousness wrong Mm. the wrong kind of righteousness kind of like really trying to avoid it and and actually then how do we connect that to uh, as when i was a buddhist i was much harder on myself Mm -hmm. and it didn't lead to good results i found Mm -hmm. that fasting without being so absolutist about it and when i quote unquote fell being more playful and relaxed around it or I'm not going to go cold turkey here, no pun intended, <laughs> um, uh-huh. uh, 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 and stop eating meat. Uh, I'm, but I'm going to do it twice a month or four times a uh-huh. month. And I, uh-huh. that has been really, really helpful to me. And I've noticed that taking that view with myself has made for a more consistent practice. And so that's the piece that I found in everything you just said that's so relevant. Now I can speak to people about, you know, mm-hmm, the kind of mm-hmm. cruelty of me. Cause you know what? I do it too, but I, I try yeah. not to, you know, I try to do it in a circumspect, you know, be, but then you're like, Oh, so you're being cruel in a circumspect kind of way. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. You know, that sounds, that, that begins well, to sound yes, a little bit yes, nonsense. But yes, you know, I know, but it's but not. It's fucking not. It's exactly the opposite of nonsense. <laughs> exactly. You know, this <laughs> idea that somehow, um, you, you know, we can't have moral engagement unless we're free of hypocrisy is just some of the dumbest shit imaginable. You know, <laughs> like, well, like, and you it's can't... impossible. And the whole New Testament is a response to that. 
yeah. like like to cast the first stone, my man. Who he was not guilty, and no, everyone leaves with their with their tail yeah. between their legs and their heads down. <laughs> yeah, right. And and anyone makes a moral statement, you know, on the internet, for example, and um, and if anything, if it's possible to uncover any time in any way that this person has had has done anything construable as immoral, then you know, whatever they said is irrelevant or, now or to be discarded. This, oh, we now, now, now we're on to something. Here we go. The, my wife's sister, Savitri, is married to a man named Reverend Billy. They have a thing in New York called the Church of Stop Shopping. And <laughs> my wife's sister, Shanti, was here visiting with her husband, Richard. And all of us are in a room together wives and in-laws and couples and we're all together there and richard says oh so savitri uh the church of chops stops shopping i have a small iphone from 12 years ago and you have the most updated version the hypocrisy that i see in, and he really uh-huh. lit into her and i became uh-huh. very protect i'm like this woman is a political game changer revolutionary in fact she just did an uh 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 mbc thing from my wife's from my daughter's old room and i saw the pink background i was like that is that isabella's room you know she's taking on the nypd she's doing class action suits it's heavy Mm -hmm. duty and and i felt very protective of her like like somehow because savi who lives in a tiny apartment in brooklyn and and what she never shops because she's part of the church of stop shopping and she doesn't have a nice Mac and a nice iPhone tools by which she is able to apply her profound work. And I, but I remained quiet and I let the argument ensue and it was, it was somewhat ugly and it, it really like, like the demand for consistency and then the, the, it's not fair. It just like, it's not. And then I say, but I did throw out my old Woody Allen DVDs and I can't, I can't separate the person from their work. And there is a sense in which we demand, where do we draw that line? Like, well, you know, you know, know, I mean, ideally, you know, a little more to the left each day, and it, but it's not going to be, or a little bit more oh. to the left each day as viewed from far away, or, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's like, yeah. I, you yeah. know, I'm working on it. We're all works in process, you know, this is this yeah. idea of like, I'm, you know, I'm a Buddhist, not a Buddha. And, um, and I'm at the monastery know, because I need fixing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I, I did a long <laughs> retreat because... That's what it would take to get through. I mean, my personal, the number of hours that I've spent on the meditation cushion for the yield that I've gotten, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, it's, 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 (laughs) it's tough. Uh, but I, but I got some kind of limited yield and that was wonderful for me to see like, Oh, here's, here is what progress in meditation looks like. And that, it was so hard won for me. And that's a, that's, you know, part of just the working of my mind. That's what it would take. And I see Quite. other people who just take to it like a duck to water and I, I'm Quite. envious. And then um, that yield you speak of is also to, to use, you know, a language that I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. We don't, it is to some extent in God's hands from my point of view. And we don't know what would have happened if we had not done it. And it's very hard to quantify the yield, you know? Well, I, okay. But wait a minute. I mean, that's, I, and I understand, right? Like we, you know, but uh, do we say that about absolutely everything? Like, are you, you know, do we have to have that clause when we say like, I mowed the lawn and it's not clear whether or not the grass would have been shorter if I had mowed the lawn or not, like, is it, is it vital to be sure to point that out each time we say I brushed my teeth, but you know, or I, you know, I did poop, but you know, that feels like got- a different sitch. That feels like a two different. It's I don't more, it's- think it is. I mean, it's one of the things that I don't think argue. is broken yeah. about modern American meditation is that there's this, 
I'm not even saying that meditation in terms of concentration, I'm, I don't think it's a spiritual achievement. You know, like I'm not saying that, that I eventually felt God flowing into my heart after enough meditation. I just mean I was able to keep my mind on the object longer after years of practicing. Yeah, yeah. And that is to some extent measurable. I just mean we can't know yeah. fully the effects of prayer. And I've found some stuff kind of whack me from the side and from upside my head with surprising results that I could make correlation and I could make connections. And I just, yes. I add that as a facet that keeps me a little looser around searching for direct causality. Not that I don't search for that. I do find my life's better when I'm praying. I can't, it's hard to quantify it. That's all. It's easier to quantify I, I know, the mowing lawn than the that. effects of prayer. That's all. I've just, that's uh, well, all. okay. But you're saying the effect of prayer and I'm, I, I guess one of my you know, personal crosses to bear or something, right? It, it, one of my personal, you know, maybe not crosses to bear, maybe hills to die on, or the one of the battles that I personally fight, right, is one that um, is this one around the mysticism of 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 meditation in terms of concentration, you know, and and coming mm-hmm. from this, you know, the Buddha seems to me very strongly to imply that. Meditation is not a spiritual practice. It, it can be, right? I mean, driving your car is not a spiritual practice, but you could be going to church, right? Um, and, and it could be um, a spiritual practice going to great value or something. Yeah. I, it, totally, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It could be a spiritual practice going to the the monster truck that's rally. Cool. Yeah, uh, you know that that's possible. Um, so I, I, you know, I, yeah, it, it's it's funny where we find this. Um, we want to have this discussion about the efficacy of prayer. We want to have this d- discussion about grace and knowing the limits of our relationship to understanding the line between causation and correlation, right? And um, yeah. and uh, and also we want to have uh, a connection with pragmatic causality, and the lack of connection with that is you know, lethal, potentially lethal in this world. Um, yeah. And, and, and um, only having a connection with pragmatic causality has, is also, we, it is seen to be lethal. <laughs> They're both lethal. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Uh, yeah, I do. Be, I do believe we need to be really running both pretty, pretty strongly looking for correlation and causality I... and leaning deeply into grace equally and trying to with with great care you know run both things in the heart so isn't well i don't when you say lethal you may have moved a little bit into the realm of metaphor you may you may mean lethal to the spirit and when i say lethal i mean you know i i don't mean it in terms of the spirit i don't and and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that interaction with grace is is optional. And I and I sometimes feel that it may be, and it is one that I choose. Mm. Uh, mm. I do mm. um, for the health of my mm. soul, for lack of better lack of a better word. You know, and I'm not, I'm not totally comfortable with that word, you know. And so if I were to unpack what that word means to me, I think it would be very different than what it would mean to someone else, you know, if I'm willing to condescend to use that word in a sense. But right. Um, right. I uh, but I do have a sense of, you know, an overall concept of of who I am and the value of my effort to be a certain kind of man and how that re- reflects in my sense of well-being. And, and we could talk about that as a soul or a spirit. And, and I, I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, and that, and my relationship to grace and gratitude, mm-hmm. it, you see, is very, very, very important to me. And I, but I'd have to think long and hard and I do. <laughs> it's not <laughs> hypothetical. I do. I spend quite a bit of time thinking about um, whether it is a necessity 
especially, you know, for those around me who I see to be so weary and so tepid, cautious, fearful Mm -hmm. um, of words like grace. Um, And, uh, and I Mm -hmm. feel of a great sympathy for that and, uh, and a Mm -hmm. desire that it should be true. Okay. Uh, which is different than a knowledge than it should be true. Uh, but a desire that it, it would be nice, not that it should be, not that it ought to be, but a desire hmm. that I would like it to be true. Um, hmm. That a person may experience uh, uh, a heaven um, without having to Yeah, without having to think about grace the way that I do, or without having to think about, um, I don't know, the like uh, forces that feel unsafe or supernatural to them. That the the magni- the grandiose magnificence of of the world in a, in a materialist sense that we could paint that out and use just like when I spend time with you in conversation, you know, I, 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 I thoughtfully, I mean, not perfectly thoughtfully for, you know, please, but, but I, I do, I am thoughtful when I, when I embrace a word like spirit or soul that I know is not my word per se, but, um, but I don't do it lightly I do it with intention Um, that I, you know, that I embrace vernacular sometimes with you, not to play devil's advocate or not to play along, not insincerely. I'm sincere, Um, but I'm, I'm playing with embracing vernacular that I could do that somehow, that there would be some way for me to do that. You see through Mm -hmm. some sort of strict materialism um, that, that leans upon causality in so much as causality can be uncovered, but is aware that causality is not always uncoverable and therein lies great mystery. Um, and, um, and that there's some way of, of working just from that vernacular that could lead, uh, to an atheist heaven of, of tear filled eyes in awe at the, multitude of stars in a nighttime sky. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. For me, the, the heart, the beginning, the middle and the end is faith. So I, I, um, I honestly can't, I, I can't even almost, um, imagine such a thing. Um, because I, why? But but but, but um, that's, because materiality, I, like I I I don't I don't think through atoms and quarks means. we can and um, I just because of the the nature of what I understand the spiritual life to be, um, I I can't see coming from a not necessarily atheist but but a a, a world that is that we're, that only through the material realm. Um, I, I don't, I just, uh, hard for me to see it be, only because the material world is so um, unreliable um, in the sense of it, it just, um, it breaks down, it changes, it's not, unche- it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have the capacity, I think, to be, it's hard to how to say um, absorb and transform and make suffering salvific. If I'm, if I if I simply look at the sure the the the, the infinity of stars, but the the breakdown of the body, the loss of the loss of the ability to think, the the getting of some kind of disease that or the. the just watching everyone around me in my life, very specifically right now, falling apart. If I was to lean on materiality alone, I would feel lost, and I would feel, and it would be no, like 
it would be no beautiful thing to me to be like, oh, but you, your body decays and you become a flower. Whoop-de-doo. I don't care. Or you're breathing the same atoms as Lincoln did. And you, part of your everything, the physical world is one. It doesn't, uh, I find absolutely no solace in that. None. For me. I don't think that, I think that you're, I think that you're creating a straw man. And, okay. um, and I okay. think that if you, if you set yourself out to craft a finer argument than that for materialism, that you could do a more delicate job than saying that somehow the pinnacle of a materialist heaven is that they should know that they were Abraham Lincoln. You, uh, you I know, don't think a little... materialist heaven is possible. Well, yeah, right. That's what I'm yeah. saying. I'm listen, uh, uh, lovingly, yeah. please, because it's not necessarily my position, you know. But I think that, like, I, right, I right. spend a lot right. of time engaging. Okay, in my traditional system, that yeah. has a tendency to straw man. Um. Mm other systems. It's one of my personal specialties in studying the, the Buddhist view of, of other systems, the, the, yeah. you know, the study of Siddhanta of the, you know, of classical I don't know schools. if we could call atheism a system, but please lay it out for me. If you it's could. laid out in the Siddhantas. I mean, it is in the Siddhantas. It's there, you know, the Siddhantas start with the non-Buddhist systems, which they divide into nihilist and eternalist. I guess I mean the atheists that we're going to come across in, in our life right now. In the present they're time. not so different. I mean, again, yeah. having studied it a bit, you know, the arguments yeah. Are, are not, if you want, if you set out to be sophisticated, if you set out to do your opponent a service, then, then I think that we develop some very, and, and these books do a terrible job of it sometimes, you know? Right, and this is don't. what I hear, like my teacher says, like, oh, you know, science says that the Big Bang came from nothing. You know, this is a classic straw man argument, right? Yes. No, it doesn't. Yes. Science doesn't say that. Science says we don't science says that it seems to be theoretically impossible to peer beyond that veil. And so at this point we have to we have to feed we have to set forth null for that state because it seems to be you know theoretically impossible right. to peer beyond the veil of this singularity. That is not the same as saying it it's causeless. It's just not Right. You know, that's, right. that's an indelicate way to, you know, straw man them to make up a false argument that they wouldn't make to make them mm -hmm. look silly. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't, you know, again, were I to set out to do things differently, you know, when science science, you know, and science again is also, you know, uh, as as it, you know, as monolithic as religion, to say religion says X and science says Y, you know, as if you know the Buddhists are eager to have the Christians speak for them, and you know particle physicists are easy, eager to have uh, epidemiologists speak for them. You know, they're not. You know, especially not vice versa. By the way, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, and. If, you know, it, how, how, how malleable is the vernacular, is the vocabulary around truth? And there's these huge undefined, you know, really, you know, hot undefined words that I hear, you know, in this conversation. Like, well, what are the contours? What does a thing have to have in it for us to be allowed to call it heaven? What does a thing have to have in it for us to, to, allow, to be allowed to call it faith? Right. Um, well, the well, well, heaven, you know, according to the Catholic Catechism and the teaching of the Church, is, is, is by definition, unknowable. So, the only way we attain to heaven is through faith. So it's not a, it's actually a no-no to even, although although we're encouraged to make analogies that hopefully reflect. Through, you know, through leaning on scripture or through leaning on what we that reflect that, but that it's held, it's held very tentatively, like we don't know. 
And so that, that some tr traditions teach things in a way that seems to me to point towards an understanding without being explicitly true on the surface. And this is how I right. feel about much of my own tradition, especially, right. okay? Right. Much of, especially the teachings on Buddhism that came in the, you know, whatever the 50s or 60s, you know, before Tibet fell and, uh, you know, yeah. a, a plethora of commentaries poured out of the mountain, you know, the mountains. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. this idea that somehow, you know, you're supposed to shut off your mind uh, to, to come to see reality. And I don't believe that to be strictly true. And I believe that that points to something very profound and that it's, it's like that. And you can yeah, talk about the, that's reality. The straw man like that, that. That's the straw man that Buddhists set up relative to Christians. You see, that's a straw man right there. You just said, it's not, it's not, it is not the case that the mind is shut off. It is, it is right. given its proper proportion within the architecture of being. So but it's there's an, also it, kind of a cool way to talk about the mind as being like shut off. You see, like the, the, there is what is called a non-conceptual state and that idea of a mind shut off and that state of knowledge wherein the, the mechanistic mm -hmm. intellect as you know it is not what is present. That's, it is also meaningful to talk about that kind of a state. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's quite profound. Yeah, right. and we can't get to that state according to Christianity without the intellect. And so to By talk way, about a heaven get, that you, you that? say you can't <laughs> say again. Did, did you catch? You didn't catch what I said. You can't get say to again. that state without using the intellect. Well, right. no, of course. I mean, I do. You, you need the I, intellect I, to actually to actually put the intellect in its proper proportion. Well, I mean, or how the hell? Deeply. What would the hell would it mean for someone to write such a piece of advice in language? Well, right. Yeah. Right. right. Um, it, it would be so. So the same when you say to me, both heaven is unknowable and uh, there is no materialist heaven. Oh, uh, I I didn't say that. I said that you, a materialist. I don't believe a material through materiality alone one could reach heaven. That's what I said. Okay. It, it's well, not. And in fact, Christianity. Someone, I hope someone recorded this. And in fact, Christianity, in fact, Christianity does not make the platonic and what can be a Buddhist mistake of, of separating, if you will, uh, spirit, soul, and flesh. And, you know, Jesus comes back after the resurrection and says, I'm hungry and eats a piece of fish. I remember reading that 10 years ago after I converted to Christianity and it blew my mind. It just blew my mind. Yeah, I'm walking through walls and I'm now going to eat with you and you can touch me and I just walk through a wall. So guess what? I am fully material and fully spiritual and there is there is in the notion of heaven built into the gospels no separation between spirit and flesh, between mind well, and mind. And I and that's I profound. Do it is profound. It is profound. It is so profound. There is a materialist and, heaven. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. It's a place. I mean, and that, yeah, <laughs> it exists. I, right. And that's, <laughs> I think science also, you know, when it's going well, mm. you see, um, tries to unite these worlds, right? And that's, there's another big fat undefined term, which is what we mean when we say materialist. You mm, see, quite. if someone wants to embrace that vernacular and yeah. say that, and I think, right, Hatha Yoga, right, is a mm. great example yes, of this is. idea that there's, you know, there is a mind and it's non-material, there's a body and it is material, but you can't, but there's no uh, state of mind which exists without a, a certain necessary physicality existing. A, a physiological state does exist when a certain state of mind is present. And that you could bring the mind to a certain place and the, the body would be, you know, the subtle energies, right, But of the yes. body would be in a certain state. Or you could bring the subtle energies to that place and the mind would necessarily be in that state. If, ipso facto, right? Like yes. necessarily, you know, yes. necessarily. Now, would it look from the outside 
differently, you know, that someone just did a head headstand or someone went to church. No, it might, you might see someone doing a headstand in church, um, right? It might look to you from the outside while a person was trying to work on the inside, like they were working from the outside, or it might yeah. look to you like they were working from the inside. It would have to be both, but somehow it would have to be both because yeah. those two things are so inexorably linked. And so if we were to step in and say, I don't even choose to draw neat circles around material and, uh, and, uh, and non-material and call them distinct things, right? Would that throw away the possibility of methodology through a vernacular that, that refers to them as aspects of a singular substance? I doubt it sh- that it should have to. Yeah. And, you know, and we've been, it, it's been called almost like a, you know, where there is mine, there is this, there's always this, you know, prana, this physical, this, this energy moving uh-huh. through the being and where there uh-huh. is this, and, 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 and the distinction is made simply f- to be able to talk about it. It's a, it's a linguistic, uh, <laughs> it's not, the distinction is so that we can then, uh, have a discussion, but is there such a distinction? I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> like I don't, I, for me, I, you know, I always question that, that pure platonic, you know, kind of like a, a somehow the, the mind, soul, and the body. The, the 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 body is a is is a is a prison, and the soul needs to get free of it. This is basic, right? In in both in it's it comes in in Buddhism, and it comes in in, in a lot of Greek thought. And by the way, along your lines, the Aristotelian venture, as I understand it, entirely started in a materialistic language. Very mm. consciously, Plato mm. begins with soul and works back to stuff. Aristotle says, "No, I am the first." Sci-. He doesn't say this, but he's our first scientist on some or the one of the first that we know of. Record like I'm going to start with stuff. What do you mean? Oh, the stuff I can hear, see, feel, touch, and I'm going to I'm going to see where it leads. I'm not even going to start with the presumption there's God or not God or something unseeable. Or anything. I'm just going to start with the material world. And interestingly, here is a guy, not a monotheist, trying to purely look at the nature of reality. And then in book 10 of his metaphysic, ends in God. Beyond the gods of the Greek world, it shook the whole world. It shook everything up. 500 BC, same time as the Buddha. Very strange. This axial age where you have Plato, Buddha, Socrates, Aristotle, all within 150, 200 years. It's a profound time where you see human beings beginning to do the very thing you're like, uh, um, well, not pleading for in this, but like saying like, hey, this is, Kevin, don't you think this is a possibility, buddy? Like, and uh, it's very beautiful. It's right there. And to end in a prime mover who moves everything because of love, everything moves and has its being. And Aristotle ended there without revelation, without a special revelation or a general revelation, without a scripture that said it so or not so. And I believe without faith. I don't know. Now, maybe the very act of starting with the senses and the sense apparatus involves a certain faith in the human mind and the endeavor of reason. And indeed he had such a faith and perhaps angels did speak to him. We see in the Socratic dialogues, we see that he's communing with, with, with deities. And so to say that Socrates and Aristotle was simply scientific is dangerous. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, so I don't mean to say there isn't something mystical or outside the realm of normal sensor sensory apparatus workings but it does seem they were like let's start with what we can let's not start with any belief let's start with not start with any system let's build one out of atoms and quarks no they didn't have them then but out of what i can see and 
it, it's amazing that he ended there. I, I, so yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, and I, yeah, I, you know, and of course that would be too far for some people and some people would accept it and some people wouldn't. And whether he had right. faith, you know, or, or not hard to know. <laughs> well, it's not just hard to know. I mean, it's maybe it's, it's not hard to know depending on, how we define the contours of what we, you know, what we consider allowable as faith. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. that there are people who, you know, I, who say that they have no faith where we could paint out, you know, the relationships in their life that directly imply the presence of faith, assuming that we're accepting that as, you know, accepting the the contours of that definition of faith or whatever they're well you know i don't know if it's broader or not yeah right you know a a particular one at least a particular one yeah 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 and um and that's uh (laughs) yeah i mean and and so you know yeah did aristotle you know look you both said he did it without faith and then of course he had faith in in x and y and that you know (laughs) how could a person you know that you would be lost without faith and, but I don't know that that's what I'm implying either. Right. I don't know right. that I'm, 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 I'm implying that, that the word faith means something to people that may not be the thing that you're standing up for, you see? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, um, and that, you know, in talking to such a person that, you know, you could say, you know, maybe, right. Maybe. And I, you know, you could paint out for them either. Look, this is what I mean by faith. And look, here's where you do have it. Or you could say, no, you don't need faith. You just need, um, whatever a sense of reasonable expectation, or you could say, you don't need faith. You only need inductive reasoning, (laughs) right? Which is the, the belief that because you did something a thousand times in a row, it should go that way the thousand and first time. Right. Which I would include as a kind of faith potentially. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, potentially it is. It doesn't, doesn't, you know, does not have to go that way. I mean, the, this is the first time in a thousand times that I said exactly this. It does, it does happen to be, you know, and the Uh, the last uh, thousand uh, times, the last 8 million, the last, all of the times I ever spoke to you, right. I never made this particular point. Um, and so it's impossible that I make this particular point. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, like no, uh, it's not. Yeah. I just did, and um, I and I would say that uh, the life, the very life of faith, which is is which is the center of a life dedicated to the mystery of of uh, uh, that we call God or Allah or Krishna, the life of a of a monotheistic practitioner is is what is faith it's the refining of faith that's the very it's not saying i know what faith is it's actually the very life itself involves this discussion that is that is the the it's not like you have some clear-cut notion the 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 whole of a life a life spent trying to be in this unnameable source is well, itself this is a the question of faith. Right. And this is a danger. And I think that something that you, you know, in my opinion, leave yourself open to this criticism wherein you're describing uh, un- non-definable prerequisites for a non-definable state. And, and, and at oh, the same not time, non-definable. Yeah. no, 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 no. There are things that can be, sh- there are things okay. that can be said about faith. There are things uh, that aren't faith and, and, and that and, are, and, and there are things that can be, but it's it, it, the life of faith is the refinement and understanding of faith. That is, that is its very, that is, and, that is, and, that is its very substance. And <laughs> heaven? The, well, we can say some things that heaven isn't. Right, we can say, uh, we, for example, by faith we know what about heaven? Uh, there's no death there. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, what else? Pray tell. Uh, there's no suffering there. Wow. I just. How do you even? Oh, revelation. Why? Oh, faith. Um, 
there, there's no disease there. There is actually no, apparently, time. And there's a shift in the nature of time. I don't know what it is, but there's so there's things that we can and, uh, and say about heaven. Of the possibility of a heaven that that somehow includes those things. Am I out of the club? I don't know you about know, a club, but then it's be... not. Again, this. I mean, this is at the heart of the difference if, of of our, if... our 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 spiritual lives. Like, I'm not. I don't know if you're out of the club. I don't know. I just, I just know that I've been told by people who seem further along than me. And by the way, every tradition that has heaven in it says this about heaven. So from my perspective, I'm like, wow, there seems to be a, a religious but, but philosophical consistency. So say that, that these things that, you know, uh, uh, right. And again, if you mm. want, it's, you know, if you desired, right, to do the work to say, you know, how, you know, how might one, okay. And I'm just using a Buddhist framework because it's what yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, but, but to say that, that I could perceive a being uh, in a heaven who doesn't perceive themselves in a heaven and they perceive suffering and I don't perceive them in suffering. Even perhaps if I knew that they perceive themselves in suffering such that to say that this was a state free of suffering would not even be immediately contradictory to saying that it was a state in which there was suffering present. You see that there was some, some way where those things could kind of both be true if you okay. squint just right and talk until about they're it. until they're not both true, we throw up our we throw up our prayer beads at the end of a beautiful debate, and we say, uh -huh. "You know what we say? Hell, hell will be harrowed in Christianity. Hell, all realms of suffering will be empty." So, taking out that very um, subtle argument, which involves knowledge of emptiness and and the lack of a nature to things and how one perceives oneself and how one perceives another being. <laughs> sure, what? Okay. Taking, yeah. taking, no, really. Where, okay. whereby, whereby we mean literally nobody else suffers no more. Not just how nobody. And, uh -huh. and, and, and by the way, it seems that I, mean, I take great solace in the fact that across every tradition I've studied, there's a notion of heaven where there's no more sadness. But is it not a heaven until then? Is it not allowed to be called heaven until then? Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, think I think, you know. I think I mean, that I think you would have to say that there is no heaven, which I don't think is the position that you would want to embrace. I, I don't think it's a complete um, heaven until the what, what we would call the final reckoning or the in Buddhism, the last person is is pulled out of hell or out of a realm where they are hurting. Um, it's not a complete heaven until everyone is, is saved, until everyone is enlightened. Um, but yeah, there is certainly gradations and degrees there seems to be when you study, all, you study the Muslim saints or the Christian saints or the Buddhist saints or the Taoist saints or the you know, wise ones from all the traditions. There does seem to be gradations. Right. And, and I have a faith. I have a faith that that you and I have talked about before, you know. And I do have a faith that that none of us is free until all of us is free, you know. I I do, and that is something that I I feel, you know, like shakes me in my bones when I hear it, mm. you know, in a in a in a way that feels like knowing, but I I also struggle to understand its its contours. And and how that yeah. can be so, even though yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel the rightness yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but that's and I not. Think the, yeah, the, I, I mean, I feel like the analog is here. We're not free until we're all free. It's very hard still to sit down at a dinner and truly enjoy it on this in this plane. It's just it's it's not. It's actually for me not possible to sit down and eat with full pleasure. It I can't do it. Why? Because there's people who aren't eating, who are dying. 
right now from from starvation. So and then that's like, oh, it's too heavy, man. Relax, man. You know, Kevin, like, no, truly like the you don't have to look far. (laughs) There's there's plenty of analogs. There's plenty of realities we can look at and say we're not free until we're all free. Yes. And it just is the it just it just feels like a truism that is just it is beyond I, I don't question that truth. I don't. I don't mean to say that there aren't grades of, and levels of heaven and that I can't have some sort of enjoyment of the meal. But complete enjoyment of a banquet until we're all at the heavenly banquet? Nope. No, sir. Well, and, whether, you know, whether we're in heaven or not, bro, or whether we're perceiving we're in heaven or not. Nope. It's not cosmic until it's cosmic for everybody. <laughs> and I can be, listen, and I, you know, uh, not to be any more tedious than exactly I am, but, um, oh, yeah, I love you. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, you know, I also, you know, I, I, you know, I also exactly embrace it by questioning it and it, and it's just, it's also, it, it's interesting yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. That, um, that, you know, part of this, 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 I don't know, there's this tendency to characterize, um, descriptions of what cannot be described, you see, or effort, efforts at specificity, clarity, right. Mm -hmm. And, and contoured Mm -hmm. definitions, right. That, um, that to characterize one of those as being all embracing and the other as not is just poppycock right you know i mean because i i really yeah you know as as you you know have a tendency right to lean into the realm of metaphor which is not to say that i don't and as i have a tendency to lean into the realm of definitions and their interactions which is not to say that you don't um that um you know, it would be right. It would be too easy to say that, um, yeah, that one is for the sake of a broader application than the other. You know, I am, yeah. I, I am, you know, the more I have studied clarity and definitions and the contours of definitions, the more malleable I see that they are. And, yeah. and, and that we could be speaking opposite words and having the same experience or having the same experience and, or, or, and having opposite words or having right opposite experience and speaking the same words. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I lean into metaphor with human beings who lean into definition around me. I lean into strict definition when it gets too mystical and hooey high for me. But what looks like, wait a minute, bro. So within the Christian church, I'm the weirdo who comes from a Buddhist tradition who very much loves definitions. And I lean like crazy. And this is why I'm entering the Catholic church and leaving other communions because nowhere have I seen more definitions. I mean, I'm, I'm 600 pages into a thousand page catechism (laughs) and it's, um, you want some, we'll go, we'll go with some definitions, but here's what soul means. Here's what spirit means. Here's what we mean when we say that here's what amen means at the end. Here's what hallelujah means. Here's what, and, and, oh, we're going to get real specific. However, as we lean on the main thinker, uh, 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 the, 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 the heart of, of, of Christian theology, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, we will find that the definitions of God seem to be placed negatively, infinite, yeah. <laughs> unknowable. So that right. when we characterize it, we always characterize it in, in, in the negative form. Um, so, so yeah, there is, a, there is a vagueness there, but there's a very clear vagueness, if you will, uh, if that's possible. Um, well, it sounds exactly, I mean, you know, yeah. you, you could have replaced, you yes. know, how, how easily would you have been speaking about, you know, a, a, a Tsongkhapian Buddhist tradition, <laughs> you know, right. when you that's said all those exact things, you know, true. about specificity built around the core of the 
unknowable that you can't call unknowable. Um, right. It would yeah. be wrong yeah. to call it unknowable. And that's, it would. That's it, it would. And, and, and beautiful. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. You know, like, like, and that, you know, we're, yeah. we're going to have to stop here, you know, but like to just <laughs> leave with that, you know, I mean, what a thing just that, 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 uh, you know, to say something is unknowable, right, is a sort of is a sort of nonsense because it it attributes a quality to that thing which you claim to be unknowable. So don't. <laughs> so don't call it that. But if know? we can't you, talk about it, we yeah. can't do the podcast. But so we I can't, th- <laughs> but we can't not talk about it. <laughs> we we yeah, just can't. It would and, be that and, would be wrong. The fact that it is so consistent. Yeah. Right in being impossible to pigeonhole, that you cannot even call it impossible to pigeonhole. That's that's you know, and that's then and then profound. And, yeah. and then the, the the one or two people who are listening, including ourselves. Yeah. How how, how <laughs> right. can we how can we roll that into our lives so that I how how does that affect how I live with my family? and the complexity of life how does that create what you're saying this malleability and this fluidity that helps us not jump to conclusions and 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 live more uh sweetly i really think there's a direct connection between this understanding and just being a a kinder more a loose both physically and mentally person just a more there's There's a a debate with the non-Buddhist schools in this in this text, you know, that's arguing with the the nihilists specifically who are claiming that omniscience is impossible because no one can know a countless number of things, and um, hmm. and the the Buddhists come back, and I'm not saying this is like an argument necessarily. It's not an argument for omniscience per se, as so much as it's an argument against that argument against omniscience, <laughs> right? Oh, Which is yeah, to yeah, say, yeah. you know, and they talk about the pattern of a quilt, you know, and the many colors of a pattern of a quilt, but just yeah. look around the room. You don't have to look to the nighttime sky, right? To see <laughs> look to the leaves on the ground. <laughs> look, look wherever you are in this moment, wherever you are in this moment, mm-hmm. how many things are you looking at? How many things do you see in this moment? It is Uh, It is unbearably vast. There's never been any place you ever were ever that is not unbearably, that is not far beyond, you know, like just, just the possibility of somehow describing all of the nuance interaction possibilities laid before just open your eyes for a second and just let your mind just brush up against for a second, the possibility of how many things, how many things are there before my eyes just now? And, and I challenge anyone not to, not to feel, not to think to themselves, holy shit for a sec. Holy shit. Wow. (laughs) You know, wow. Wow. That's a wow. <laughs> there's, there's no, there never been a moment, never been any place you ever was that, that you could neatly set your finger upon, um, to describe an iota of your experience of And yet, uh, and yet, somehow we can talk a whole bunch and have conversations, and and a lot arrive at rus- roughly the same time, close enough in time to meet one another in Tuscaloosa. Um, that's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's amazing that that's still possible amidst all of this, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um... despite whatever challenges we go through to be able to meet one another reliably to have these conversations. It, uh, but here we are. <laughs> um, well, as I look out at the the the, 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 the apparent well, they're not countless, but I can't count them. Number of leaves and the <laughs> and the sunlight shining through all those leaves. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll uh, we'll uh, go into our days. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. I cool, love man. you, dude. I love you too, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Later.